for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And tonight we're here to discuss the ninth episode, the mid-season finale of NBC's This Is Us. This one is called The End is the Beginning is the End. No, the beginning, <laughs> the beginning is-, is the End is the Beginning. Oh. I think it's like, it's like the circle of life. I, th- <laughs> I think that that, that might it's mean. It's kind of like Facts of Life too, Paul. Date the good, date the bad. Okay. I was going to say that, and I'm going to say right now that the I think it marks the middle of the whole show, right? The oh, I think that I think you're right. I think it absolutely could be like this is the the tipping point down down the slide to the end of the show. I think you could be right. Although we had said five seasons, and since this is midway of three, this would be two and a half, right? Oh, I see what you did there. Yes, I'm terrible at math, you guys. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with Kate and Toby. They have a healthy baby, Paul. Things are going actually pretty well for Kate. I was not really surprised that they had to throw a little monkey wrench in the pregnancy and say that she may need to cut back some at work. I think that that was really reasonable, especially if she's like driving for hours and hours. You've heard this before about sitting down. I always thought it was uh, mothers to be uh, on their feet. I thought that was the... The danger. Well, it's kind of one of those weirdo things where it's like you shouldn't really be in any particular position for a long period of time. So that's like why you have like those weird body pillows and you have like a lot of weird positioning things. It's a lot about not doing too much for too long. But but specifically driving for long periods of time, definitely travel gets restricted at certain points. And with Kate, it doesn't surprise me that it would come earlier. Now, typically travel is restricted because like airlines don't want you to give birth on a plane. And when there's like a pressure drop, in the plane that can actually affect you if you're pregnant and so yeah and so it's just one of those things that it's like people try to be but that's usually third trimester we're not there i but kate it doesn't surprise me if they're being really overly protective and sort of being cautious also i mean a simple fender bender in a case of such like a big deal like this which there's some pressure on her stomach or something happens you know you might just want to say look let's just try to be as conservative as possible and driving hours and hours every day is probably not it. Am I remembering correctly that fertility babies are automatically high risk, like the pregnancy? I think that that's reasonable to assume. And and in their case, because of how much they had to go through for this one viable baby here, I mean, I, I think it is not unreasonable to basically wrap her up in foam, you know, put the put the bubble wrap around her yeah. and be like, please just let's take all precautions. I liked this storyline that they went down with Madison and giving this opportunity for the chorus teacher. The whole reason why I loved that little section was really the principal, the actor that played that role. He was so dynamic. I really like wish that that had worked out because I would like to see more of him. He was so fun and like engaging. He might actually be a principal. I mean, he was (laughs) he was very enthusiastic about what he was saying. Yeah, but I just liked him. I really liked him. And it did give us this moment where we got the reveal that. I didn't know how close she had been to getting her degree. I actually assumed that she had never gone to college at all. I I kind of did also. So only being like eight credits shy. I mean, as soon as they said 
eight credit shy, I was like, oh, she should absolutely go back to school. This is like completely ridiculous if she doesn't. I like where her storyline's going here, where it seems like she, you know, they have the moment where Toby brings her to the community college. Now, I'm a little mm-mm about like, why couldn't Kate have the get up and go to think I'm only eight credits shy. I just had a really disappointing moment in an interview. I think I should probably pursue those last eight credits. It's a bummer that in terms of like character development, she is no further along. Like Toby has to drive her to the college and point out that she could finish her degree and thus close this circle for herself. When is she going to have some freaking self-awareness, Paul? Hmm. It's funny you focus on that. I was thinking, what kind of teaching degree lets you finish up at a community college? I don't know that it would be a teaching degree at all. I, maybe in music or maybe in, you know, I don't really know. Typically, you do have to have a four-year degree. I'm not sure when it comes to like band or chorus or- Our band director had a master's degree. In, in teaching or in music? In music. So it wouldn't be a teaching degree necessarily. I'm sure he had like the extra certification to teach, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. maybe it would be a degree in something else. And it seemed like he didn't really care what the degree was in. I mean, if she had said it's in business and so I started my own singing telegram or it's in, you know, right. it seemed like it would have been okay, but it was the total lack of degree, which is true. That's a non-starter teaching positions. You know, if I was writing it from this point on, I would craft something to the to the effect of, Toby gets delayed on delivery day. She's got to basically fend for herself in the hospital until he gets there or Rebecca gets there, somebody gets there, but she's, but that might mean hours of her, you know, doing this on her own. Right. right? I like that. Um, We do find out the sex of the baby. Were you surprised that it's a boy? No, not at all. Is, is this baby have any chance in the world of not being named Jack? Zero (laughs) percent. This has to be Jack, right? Yeah. And you know what? Just as well. Because actually, it's not going to be Jack Pearson anyway, right? There is that trend where um, daughters will name somebody after, like the full name of whoever they oh, want to name. So, so it could be, be Jack, like Jack Pearson, Pearson, whatever Toby's last name is. I can't remember. Is. And we found out just a couple episodes yeah. ago. And I was like, oh, that was his last name? So yeah, I'm not surprised it was a boy. Um, like I said, a little disappointed. I thought it was like an opportunity missed to not have... Her realize that she could just go back to college. I don't know why she always has to have stuff pointed out, but I was happy to have her seemingly have a really good, solid storyline for her to continue down. Not this shaky nonsense of doing nothing. Positive. All of it was positive. Healthy baby. And although you can't get the job right now, you can fix why you couldn't get the job. So... Yeah. And I think her excitement for the job that even figuring out that she had excitement for a position like that means that once she gets her degree, once the baby's born, whatever, this is a really obvious path to go down for her in the future. You know, she doesn't have to be the singing telegram lady. She can be someone teaching and nurturing younger people into music. And I think that that really suits her much better than trying to stand up on the stage doing like the cabaret act. You know, I think this could actually work out. This episode had a couple of A plots, I think, and Randall and Beth were, I think, one of the A's, right? Absolutely. Because this is this is a big deal. There's like 95% of this episode, they are working like Randall and Beth, R&B. They're chugging along like a little two-piston machine. One goes up, one goes down, and back and forth, and it's like perfect up until the very end. So let's take a look at what the Randall Pearson family is doing this episode. 
mostly it revolves around this campaign and specifically the debate that he's supposed to have with Saul Brown that night. I think it was interesting for me as a as a lifelong procrastinator to see Randall getting all tied up in like, you know, vocabulary words <laughs> and such be- the night before his big showdown with Saul. I think that he is a person who likes to be prepared. And in a way, I feel like he did the right thing by sort of like backing off a little bit because he did know his facts and figures. And that was something that actually got him kind of, you know, really ridiculed by Saul during the debate when he tried to just do the memorized facts and figures, the part that most of us would procrastinate about learning. Um, And it didn't work for him. So, Well, it wasn't exactly. I mean, he had some facts and figures, but he was missing context in some of those cases. Very true. Very true. Now, did you feel like the debate was really cliche? Because I sure did. Oh, you mean like the noob getting just schooled by the old hand who just does some like basic tricks to to trip up the other guy and point out his flaws? Uh, yes. And like the moderator just was non-existent, just like stared like a like a little bird looking right. back and forth at a tennis match. Did she like, have a speaking part? I don't even think she did, except for accidentally Randall said her name wrong. And so that was like a ridiculing point. What I really mean is that isn't it like by the book? To have the one guy who's going to break the mold, go down and sit on the steps and then do the thing that they always do. Every politician. Let me tell you about Maria, a woman in. You'll have to excuse us. Our dogs are trying to break into the to the podcasting (laughs) studio. They're having a little little showdown with each other concerning the uh, stuffed animals that they possess (laughs) and who gets to possess which one when anyways but you know what i mean when the politicians like let me tell you about ron a factory worker from detroit right. and then they like tell you their little vignette and you're like wah, wah. that is pretty classic I mean, stuff. they did exactly that i mean in this case the people were in the audience so they were like that's right i did write that letter or whatever they like had that little you know repartee there yeah but i don't know it just felt so basic you know it just felt like I I don't see why Saul couldn't have come back and said, yeah, and I know Tina and I'll tell you Tina's story like and just shoot right back and have every single person in that room know exactly, you know, some little story moment with Saul. Wasn't that kind of his bread and butter that he had had this history with the people had done all these little favors for them? There's a chance that maybe he couldn't. He does have history with these people, but maybe not recent history. Okay, I see where you're going there. Like maybe he hasn't done anything for them lately, if you if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. And I think maybe perhaps that is where Randall does get a little bit of the leg up. Like you said, it's easily scripted the 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 layout of this scene, but it is what made the rest of what happened between Beth and Randall make any sense at all was that he needed to be coming down off of a high, basically, where he he would think that Jay Wan's news about the polling wasn't the whole story, that he still had some more fight in him. But before we get there, some other shit intervenes. Tess, if you recall, last week she had a big reveal with Kate, but she didn't tell anything to her her own parents just yet. So she's acting very distant with everybody. Were you surprised that they picked her story up right away the next episode? Did you think they were going to dangle that around? Because I kind of thought they were going to just set it to the side. Me too. And I'm surprised that they let Kate tell Rebecca 
I thought that was kind of that's character, right? And a horrible decision on Kate's part. And I feel like a really strange decision on Rebecca's part. I mean, it's one thing to say like, hey, as Kate, I'm going to tell you, Rebecca, because you are closer to her. And so I kind of want you to just keep an eye on her. Why did she like just lay her cards out like in the first second? That is she is a veteran mom and grandma. What? What? That was such a rookie move there. Old Rebecca has had this interaction more specifically with Kate because she just doesn't ever seem to deal with Beth very directly. When when it comes to like talking about Kate's singing or something like that that's that she is very touchy about, she doesn't actually want any critiques or comments or anything besides the normal you did great kind of shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but Rebecca's like you're still working on that high note, aren't you? You know, that kind of stuff. And and so Okay. So she, she's saying you she has a history of this awkward convo. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was a little I mean, I this topic, the way they're handling it feels a little after school, especially. I already said that the way that they like embedded it in with the first period and all this. I don't know. They're handling Tess's character as an after school special. I am not calling the fact that she has decided that she may be gay, but maybe not be gay. I do want to talk about that portion as we continue on here. But I just feel like they're handling it a little bit oddly, like Rebecca being like, do you have any issues at school you want to talk about? (laughs) Like, what? I mean, who does that? But I but I'm with you. I will give you all of the points that you're right. She is Captain Awkward Conversations. So she put on her captain hat for that car ride. And she keeps going at it, hoping that that just conversationally Tess will will open up. But instead, Tess says, I don't want to talk about this with you, Grandma. So I think at the, at, at the end there, when the two are sitting in the waiting for everything to kind of die down and Rebecca has the chat with her, I think she's basically channeling Jack and trying to give a very Jack type speech. I don't want to take anything away from Rebecca because I believe she can be helpful on her own. But I mean, this was a very Jack like speech. I agree with you. It did definitely feel Jack like, but... I would say that in this case, I like that they sort of did it a little twist on emotions because that to me actually does feel like a little bit more of a feminine take on it. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, the idea that everybody's affected in different ways. They showed how Jack in a previous episode had to go punch it out at the gym. And it turns out in this conversation, Rebecca had a lot of bottled up emotions, too, but they manifested themselves in a really physical pain. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was a an interesting like way that people deal, you know, specifically men and women. Jack, you know, let it all out through fighting and everything. Rebecca kept it inside, but was physically injured by doing that. I felt like it did make a difference to Tess in that conversation. And in a way, I felt like that whole speech could have been given without them having to squeal that Kate told necessarily or have that exact portion of the conversation. Mm. You know, I felt like she could have said, you know, you know, you've been kind of quiet today and then just sort of said the bottled emotion speech Without ever having to actually have the lay it out, talk between the two. Yeah, I thought you know because I think that that's really a kind of a shitty sitch with Tess and Kate now, and I don't know. I think that that could have been done with a little more finesse, and I think it would have been done with a little more finesse. Yeah, I think if you would have done that, you could have optionally gone and added 
probably a little more meat to either Jack in Vietnam or Kevin in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Probably Jack in Vietnam because if you if you go back, we uh, the Jack story seems like part of the A story here to me because. Uh, but when you go back and look at it, Jack is only on screen for about five or seven minutes total on this on this episode. You know, it's yeah. just a little bit at the bit kind of, and, and so uh, I think we could have used a little more there. The remainder of that uh, end of that debate conversation does also reveal that unfortunately, Randall is just too far behind in the polls. Now, we had kind of predicted this, that it actually did not make any sense for Randall to win this first go round. Like maybe he would have to take another run at it or maybe he would not unlike Kate not getting the audition. You know, she might have to take another run at a different way to do this. He might have to find another way to be helpful to the community. This might not happen through politics. So I'm not surprised and I still predict he will not win. But boy, was I surprised at his behavior with Beth. I I understand. I think I understand both sides of it. Like she's doing what spouses are supposed to be able to do, which is say, you know, I'm I'm at my max. I cannot I cannot handle more than what is going on. Out of all the stuff that's going on, the campaign is is extra. Yeah, that's the optional portion. On the other hand, he isn't quite to election day yet. I guess whenever this election is supposed to be. Yeah, it's a little unclear, huh? <laughs> and and uh, how do you how do you pull out of of that of that process? See, to me, I feel like that conversation could have had both sides be heard, but just handled differently. So I felt like when we had Deja come down and ask about her birth mom wanting to visit with her, that was like their first moment of like dealing with something really big. And and that is like a really like, whoa, we, we have adopted this child into our lives. And then now she's looking for her mom so quickly here, you know? Yeah. This seems like nerve wracking. Then we have Tess come down and I do think we should talk about that and, and the impact we have. I thought it was handled actually well from the standpoint of the family. I feel uncertain about the way that the show is handling it. And here's what I mean by that. Okay. I think that Randall and Beth were fair in their response to Tess And her saying that she feels like she may be gay. She actually didn't really commit to that concept. She just said, you know, she was sort of like, she felt like she liked girls. She still wasn't really sure. Right. Okay. So in that case, I didn't feel like it was a clear cut coming out. Like I'm positive. I've kissed a girl or I'm positive. This is the way I, you know, I'm a hundred percent sure. They kind of left her to me the way that I heard her a little uncertain, like at least kind of questioning where she falls in. Now to me, that is not to the level of a huge response out of the parents needed, especially because she says, I don't want you to make any kind of big deal out of this. So when Randall and Beth, you know, just reassure her and say, we love you, whatever you figure out here is 100% okay with us. You know, she says, that's all I want to say about it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. She turns and goes. I think it was actually appropriate that they did not have Randall and Beth like rush her. Beth's Mm. eyes were full of tears. You could see this was a very big thing for them to have to try to think about what are the challenges my child's going to face now? How do we properly support her? All those things. However, this is what I'm going to say from the show part of it. I felt a little vibe in my body that perhaps by making her just dip her toe in that way, that it was less about her 
with Randall and Beth and the actual story and more about This Is Us NBC dipping their toe in with the audience to see what is going to be the response out of the rest of us. If there is a huge Twitter campaign that says, we hate This Is Us, get this off the air, giant boycott, blah, 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 blah. Will they have her discover that she actually likes boys? Interesting. Or you do see what I'm saying? Yeah, I was a little, I'm a little critical of the idea that if you were going to go there, NBC, then you freaking, you know, put your chest out, say, I'll take whatever, you know, lumps that come with this decision, but we are going to make a young teenager gay and we're going to have her walk the walk and go through whatever those challenges may look like. That to me didn't happen. It actually seemed really watered down version of this and i'm just i don't feel good about it i was surprised when when she said she wasn't sure although that seems realistic to me for a kid her age to not be sure sure does that make sense i do i do agree with you and that's why some part of me agrees that you know there is some level of realism to it but you see what I'm saying about the like, I'm a little, I'm a little worried that this actually just might be chicken shit. Well, <laughs> like they're just waiting to see what happens, you know, and, yeah. and, and they sort of like reserved the right to take it back, which I just feel like that's a little in this whole, it's you're, you're born this way. It's not a choice in this, you know, in this whole sort of environment, yeah. I felt like they, muddied the waters in a way that of can you be a questioning teenager 150% you know should the majority of the population take a take a tick every once in a while and be like do i like boys or girls i think i you know th- what what have they ever in their lives probably i just didn't like it that it was like handled in this way you know they made william bisexual without any question and it was just like done boom you know, deal yeah. with it. So, so maybe I'm off base in terms of like that the show isn't willing to take that risk, but somehow I feel like it being a young girl in Randall's little foursome here, somehow, I don't know. It just came off a little weaker than I felt like that could have felt. I guess we know why they jammed it into right now. I mean, last week it felt jammed in, this week it felt jammed in. Because ordinarily, I would imagine that if two everyday type parents like Beth and Randall are, have a kid come downstairs and say, hey, I might be gay. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going back upstairs. You might spend like until the next morning sorting out your feelings on that. I I think that good parents would, that you would have a conversation with each other about Okay, you know, there's there's going to be a next conversation. What is that going to look like? And and. Beyond that, how do you feel about this spouse? You know, are, are you okay? Am I okay? Are, are we on the same page? Because we might have two different points of view or approaches to this or whatever. I think that would be normal. Can I add to my like caveat of like that this better not be just a device? Yeah. If they were looking for a reason to have make A, Beth and Randall have a, have like a break in their relationship and or have some reasons to have Randall have to have to be in doubt about continuing the campaign, I don't think this was a good idea. Mm. Have her be sick. Have her have something that's going on that's something. But this particular issue, to me, 
I I think that when you look at the Deja and the mom thing, to me, you know, they could have worked that in at any time. That could be a bump in the road, an expected bump in the road. But I don't think they should choose Tess, perhaps being gay, as just a plot device to throw a, a wrench in the plans. Like, that's not handling that issue with enough delicacy. You know, knowing how many families are watching this, knowing how many kids and and parents are even taking their cue from Beth and Randall. Oh, just don't just don't throw that in there like that. You know, it's too mm-hmm. important. It's too important to too many people's lives. And, you know? Yeah. And they only gave it about, you know, two sentences back and forth before they moved on to the next subject. Given all of the things that they're dealing with, it, it I felt very much that it was not out of line for Beth to say, this is a lot going on in our family. I really feel like you need to, you know, be more present here. I think that that they both kind of went too far. Like, I don't know that Beth needed to say, so you need to call off everything you're doing and all future plans. I don't think it needed to look like that. By the same token, I think that Randall's response of basically like, I'm not quitting was not giving enough due to what Beth was saying. I feel like he could have said, you're right. I will, I will cut out, you know, future debates. I will go to less, you know, publicity moments or something so that I can be here more during these next couple of weeks. Like there was a way to me that to kind of compromise and some sort of say like, you need to be here more. And him saying, you're right. I will be here more. You know, I can send Jay Wan to pass out flyers instead of it being myself, whatever. Um, You know, would it be a huge like sacrifice for him? Yes. But I think that his response of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not changing anything I'm doing. was like, Oh no, see, that was not, (laughs) that wasn't really an option because Life has changed. I don't I don't I don't think you get to say, yeah, I'm just not going to do anything differently. And I didn't look at it like that. But yeah, they kind of rushed to the end. What I what I did feel when I was watching it was that they had just shared all these R&B parenting moments that were all crammed together. Right. They they uh, deal with uh, the the news from the debate. They deal with. Uh, you know, where Beth had given him this great pep talk just like a couple hours ago, you know, mm-hmm. and then they deal with the Deja thing. They're on the same page, essentially, on Deja's kind of bucking the system a little bit. They appear to be on the same page, although it's more like a paragraph with Tess and her issue. And then all of a sudden they say two sentences back and forth and they're like, well, you're sleeping on the couch and I'm done with you. And then the next thing they show is like this flash forward where they appear to be divorced. Very, very like abrupt the whole thing. I mean, again, I feel like they're trying to get us to a point in the story. And it's like it's like one of those things where you have these like big plot points, you know, Uh and it's like we have to get from point A to point B. So how are we going to get them, you know, uh, in an argument or or something that's deeply entrenched in their souls that they're going to split on here. Family versus Randall's need to have this this other life with Philadelphia and everything. But that's where I'm saying, like, I feel like you're grinding up other characters in the process. I think that some of that, even even our big characters like Beth and Randall, like, I don't think that makes sense to them, that they wouldn't have been able to communicate better than that, that Randall would have sucked all the way back and said, well, I have to do everything and like, like, I'm not listening to you. And that Beth would, now maybe they had a three hour fight. We don't really know. 
You know, they were coming from another direction with the pillows and the blankets and everything. So we don't know that she just made that comment about, you know, you've you've really like learned how to be a politician kind of thing. If she went directly to the blanket closet, you know, or if they then argued for hours and hours and hours on end. And then that led to them being like, well, we just don't agree. And like my whole thing, we this happens to us and we do sleep in different places and stuff. My whole deal is like if I'm angry then this is like this is super stupid because it's not like I think that Paul's gonna like stab me in the night or something but it's like a trust issue to like close your eyes and like lay down next to somebody else and if I'm angry and I'm like really freaking angry then like I'm not closing my eyes next to somebody who I'm upset with I don't know what I think maybe my own like dark demons maybe I would choke someone out I don't know but for myself I understand this like needing to have physical distance. Uh, I, I hate it when that happens. Okay. So you mentioned this flash forward. We have several pieces that I feel like we really need to examine. I feel like I am like Nancy F and Drew with these flash forwards. We have Randall and Tess. We have this little dialogue of Randall saying, you know, can you call your mom weird to say it like that? That's a very, I'm not with her call your mother yeah. kind of comment. Then we have this um, environment that Beth is in that is totally out of character for her. She looks like she's channeling Debbie Allen like 150%. Like she's doing her full-on fame, like looking <laughs> good down there, ladies. She's actually wearing a very fame-esque outfit with the like kind of jumpsuity tight thing underneath, like this flowy kind of kimono-y looking biz on the other side and her hair's kind of, you know, curly and kind of- Well, it's very poofy and- Big and stuff, which she really hasn't worn it like thus far. You know, she tends to wear it differently. So it's a very different phase of life, I would say for her. I stretched my eyes like crazy to see if Beth was wearing a wedding ring. I could not see it. Randall, however, you pointed out, definitely was in the future- So that's good. By the looks of things, and I was talking with other girls on Twitter about like, can you see his ring? Someone else managed to see a ring in his current time, and it does look like the same ring. So hopefully that means like, because I I was going with the idea that just because he's wearing a wedding ring in the future doesn't mean it's the same wedding ring he had with Beth, right? Yeah. He could have been remarried or whatnot. I don't know. But then we have her say this thing that we're going to go visit Randall's mom. Again, you would say my mother-in-law, you know, like the language is very specific. Well, but it's not, and it's, and it's not specifically dictating that they're divorced. It's just the, just, you can read into it that they are. I think that it's just the distance, the, the way that it sounds like the relationship doesn't have to do with that person. So it's like Randall thinking about Beth in terms of Tess's mother and Beth thinking of Rebecca as randall's mother but not like what that relationship is to them that's like ooh, very telling the other thing i want to mention about that dance thing is that i hope that this little glimpse means that we're going to get some backstory on beth moving right. forward here because i don't WTF know did that come from anything about her having yeah like a dance background i do not remember anything you guys if we're forgetting something and you guys are like no duh do you remember the one line when they say she was the ballerina you know what i i don't remember anything about this so that was so weird i hope I mean, this they, is a wink to that actually they're like dancing around she's like good job ballet dancers or something like that <laughs> <laughs> well it, i mean the way that she was saying it implied that she was such an expert 
that she could be the coach or the teacher of adult, seemingly like prima ballerinas. How far advanced must she be in dance to be that person? I It is utterly confusing to me. And even the space she was in was so odd. Like the way that she was like up above and they were like almost in like a space shuttle or something. Like it was so metal and odd the whole thing was just so odd well and then pin the tail on the donkey a game you bring to like three-year-old parties but 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 that's what they always play at the big threes party oh is it so what that indicates to me is that i am going to predict this is the first episode of the last season and i think the show ends with rebecca dying which makes sense to me because If the beginning is the end is the beginning, then that means we started this show with Jack's death and we end the show with Rebecca's death. And that makes perfect sense to me. So we know that every season begins with the big three's birthday. So if he's bringing the pin the tail on the donkey game, that means it's their birthday, which should indicate it's the first episode of whatever that season is. Why would Rebecca, not Rebecca, why would Beth be in charge of the pin the tail on the donkey if they are divorced it good call very good call i don't know that part is a mysterious part i don't i feel like the divorce thing is a red herring i don't really think they're divorced i think that the language is going to turn out to just be odd when we look back but i don't think they're divorced this that was my bold prediction though this is the first episode of the last season that will get little bits and pieces mm-hmm. of it as we go and then they will play it. Then we will see it. And we'll be like, there's the scene. Yeah, I've kind of wondered where that boy that, that we thought was supposed to be. Remember the scene? That yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, I kind of wonder where, what wound up with happening with that little boy. If you we'll, do, you think we'll about ever, that little boy. <laughs> we'll ever see him again. I don't, I don't know that we necessarily will. But um, yeah, it's going to end up being that Amber actually adopted another child of another race. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Okay, so let's get into our Kevin, Zoe, Jack, Vietnam storyline. I know you mentioned at the beginning that you felt like that, you know, they're sort of intertwined. I feel like they are hopelessly intertwined that, I mean, they they showed such specific scenes of, you know, Kevin walking and then flash to Jack walking. They're walking the same. They're in the same exact piece of dirt walking, you know, doing this move. I mean, I, I don't know how much more like in our little faces they could be that these two men were you know, experiencing this at the same time. For the Kevin part of it, I've only been out of the country a couple of times and once to a country where they didn't speak my language. And so the idea of having like an in-country guy that that kind of uh, takes possession of you so that he, he will safely guide you around that part seems pretty realistic, especially if you're a rich guy like like Kevin. So he's got this guy that's going to help him get to the village, but they... I, they had to wait for I don't, how long did they need to wait because of the rain? Did you recall? I, it seemed I, I don't know that they told us an exact amount of time, but that it was definitely lasting a lot longer. I appreciated that Zoe was like, try to kind of cool out and try to just like enjoy this for what it is, which is like, hello, we're like young and in love and, you know, in this foreign land. And we're like, you know, ooh, we're all we're all like stuck inside. Whatever will we do? Her focus or her uh, perception as a as a documentarian is definitely 
more journey based than destination based, right? A hundred percent. And Kevin really wanted this to be all destination. He wanted all the journey stuff was interesting and, and but but secondary to finding someone that knew his dad. I thought for certain that the guy that our host was going to bring us to was absolutely going to be the boy who had his foot injured that Jack helped. How could it not be that boy, Paul? How could it not be? I mean, that would have made a lot of sense and it would have given Kevin like a small, not a complete, not a, not exactly a bookend, but you know something, a milestone to 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 be like, look, I, I figured something out about dad. That'd have been kind of nice for him. And did they, they? I mean, was it ruled out that it wasn't the same guy? It's just well, possible he, said, he didn't remember him. Well, no, he said the the boy said he didn't recognize the woman in the picture. The woman in the picture would have been his mom, right? Or we think is his mom, but at least a woman who took care of him for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. So then it was like, uh, he doesn't even know this woman, and that seems weird. You know, I don't know. I thought that that was strange. Although I would have to say, if they made it be that boy, then wouldn't we all be like, wah wah? How Hallmark movie can you get that it's the same boy? You know. So yeah. maybe good on them for pulling the rug out a little bit and saying like, no, that'd be too simple, you guys. They did have these sort of moments where, you know, they had these conversations about how similar their lives actually had been. The idea of like sitting and eating lunch together after their fathers had been in the same village, you know, fighting each other, that both of the dads hid it from their sons and made up all these stories and tried to keep them protected from it. And in an interesting way... And despite all the things that went down historically that were very not not went as planned. Right. The fact that they could be sitting there at this time, at this place in a peaceful interaction was some victory for their fathers, you know, that they were able to do that. I know that that's kind of convoluted to say, and it's a very simplistic concept, but it's like despite everything despite all the lives lost on both sides, despite the fact that that there wasn't a true political governmental victory that we all would have wanted as Americans, there was still this sense of, you know, we are, we're all the same. We're all people. We still had these really similar backgrounds and at the end of the day, you know, and that we can sit here and break bread with each other and, and be okay and have this conversation, you know, at all. Well, and and as the guy pointed out, it gets down to not even just a country level, but just a man-to-man level. Both of their dads didn't want their sons to know anything about the war. Right. That's kind of interesting. Right. right? And, I, and I think that that sentiment was really important to sort of layer in there that, you know, on a more global level, even if you're not into This Is Us for the touchy-feely little, you know, whatever family kind of moments – If you want to watch the show and have these moments where you're like, but you can sit down with someone from another culture and we are allowed to do this from like a larger global sense. I think there is this other message that can come through at times, you know, that you you can see it if you want to. You don't have to. We can make it all about Jack Pearson all the time. But you know what I mean? Like, I think that there is some more message that they're they're trying to get across. So last week we had just thrown out this wild theory that Nikki was in some sense dead to Jack, but not necessarily dead. Now, I I had pictured it as some sort of just like 
gone AWOL and and stayed in Vietnam for for the rest of his life. But we get we get a, a closer look at at that in this episode with starting out with the guide, right? He's like, and this is sort of weird, right? Yeah, I think this was weird. Like. I took the liberty of looking up your uncle and he's not on the on the registry of dead soldiers. Interesting. Hmm? I think it's really puzzling and I'm not sure what to make of it. I'm sure that there's someone out there who has a lot more knowledge and understanding of what exactly is this soldier database and who was Jack pointing out at the wall when they went to the Vietnam War Memorial with Randall and he was pointing out a name now they didn't show us the name but yeah. he was pointing and there was sort of an assumption that it was Nikki. It could have been the kid catching the football. Maybe, maybe that's true. I, I just, it was kind of wacky. I, and you know, again, maybe again, a very historically informed person could say like, no, this is a thing. There were soldiers who went MIA from the Vietnamese database. They would not have been listed, but from the American database, they would, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm making that up completely. I have no idea if there's multiple databases. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, maybe there's something that makes sense here. I think we had put forth the idea many moons ago that Nikki was not dead. And you had even said maybe Nikki was dead to Jack because of his behavior and the things that maybe he had done, that that was a possibility. But there was a distinct possibility that Nikki was not dead. And it actually felt right that he wasn't dead. Let's get into Nikki a little bit and about yeah, where we sort yeah. of were with Jack and him. We're down to the last 48 hours of Nikki being able to stay with Jack. Jack tries to appeal to Major Dawson. Dawson basically says no in a sort of like yes sir, no sir kind of way. So they've got to sort Nikki out. And Nikki is being pretty stubborn about about his feelings on being stuck in this war and and the inevitability of of either needing to kill somebody else or get killed over there. That's really just the only way you're gonna be there. Jack, um do you think that this was Jack's best attempt possible to try to save his brother with the with the taking him and giving him like another perspective on the on the little town they live next to and and all that stuff that he told him i think that it was a valiant attempt from jack to try to continue to have nikki think outside of the present moment to gain some perspective literally but figuratively in this bigger way I think that it made a lot of sense. Um, I think that the desperation that we saw from Nikki when he said, where's it you want to take me again? Like that part really sort of like, yes, Nikki's a hard ass, but you kind of saw it seep through a little bit. Like, like, like he was thinking, he was thinking like, well, where do you want to take me? It reminded me a lot of that moment back when he got drafted and Jack's like, I have somewhere to take you. And they like got in the car, you know, like that they were like, like maybe there could be somewhere else or something else to do, you know, to get out of this situation. So it was interesting. I thought that the mission speech was especially like mm, when, you know, he's like, we have a mission, stay focused. And Nikki's like, the mission is to kill. Yeah. And then Jack's like, no, dude, the mission's to get home. Oh, Nikki, just, oh, Nikki, you know? The little bit where he where he wanted to see where Jack wanted to take him after he hit him in the face. Um, well, should we talk about that fight for a moment? Was that, mm, well, what do you feel about that? 
well, I kind of think Nikki's an asshole mostly, but I mean, you could see that punch coming. Jack saw that punch coming. He just kind of knew that he, that he needed to take it <laughs> right then. You know, um, that was the only way to to keep going in that conversation. I've never been in a conversation where I knew that I was going to need to take a punch in order to uh, to to keep the dialogue going. Jack must be a take a punch to keep the dialogue. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's complicated. I, I think I'd be like, and um, this conversation could just be over then because I'm not taking <laughs> right. a punch. I was going to show you something cool, but I mean, if you want to be punching me, uh, I, I've got better shit to do like anything else. It, it's like, it's like though, I mean, obviously he had to get that out of his system. I mean, there's just like no way around it. It's like he had to get out of his system. He had to realize how misplaced his anger was, you know? Yeah. It's like once he finally like saw that punch through, it was like, oh, you're, you're not actually what i'm pissed at at all but right. it's like it took this long for him to actually kind of stop being pissed at jack that's that's funny how punches in movies work you know once you do it you're like ah oh, shit i didn't really want to do that that's like maybe that's how movie punches work <laughs> they're special movie punches yeah yeah <laughs> so don't try in real life you guys someone they, might not actually gain perspective they mischannel emotion exactly but we have nikki getting high yeah because he, he doesn't buy Jack's speech. I thought that that was actually, again, sort of the, you know, where they're trying to be cognizant of the fact that they are representing Vietnam vets. And, you know, it's something that you and I talked about a little bit while we were actually watching the, the him sort of digging through the medical yeah. supplies and and the, the high rate of um, opium, morphine. Addiction. addiction right yeah. post-war so i thought that it was it was important that they have a moment um with that and that that this is something that nikki was going to struggle with in a lot of ways and anyway as a family we know the pearsons have addiction, addiction issues right. right and so they sort of just hit another type of addiction in another environment you know and so i thought that that rang true and made sense yeah what did you think about when we heard the explosion. It sounded like a mine to me, a movie mine, as much as I know about mine explosion. No, but I thought I heard them say something about a boat exploding. And then so they showed Jack swimming out into the water. They, it was sort of a it was sort of a Doctor Who sort of thing where they were like, look over there. The aliens are landing. But they never show the aliens. They just show the actors mm. being like, holy shit, no. <laughs> Those aliens are the ugliest <laughs> tall green what? aliens I've ever seen. Is that only one eye on a stalk coming out of their head? <laughs> but they never show the one-eyed stalk coming out of there. It's right. kind of like that. They never showed any boat explosions. They showed you know, Milo doing his best. Well, and, and somebody else was like, a boat exploded. Right. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm looking at an explosion of a boat like <laughs> right. that. Yeah. So, all right. I didn't need to see the boat explosion. I don't know if you did, but I didn't need to necessarily see it. Did you expect it? Did you what did, what did you think here? Did you think Nikki was going to run away in the night or is this no. a red herring? Is this definitely Nikki? I think definitely Nikki. Yeah. Um, but I thought I thought it would be the sort of thing where like there was a firefight initially. I mean, if they were going to go with the killed Nikki plot line he'd be killed if they were going with the missing nikki plot line then i thought there'd be just like a he slips away in the fog of war kind of thing you know i thought that actually is what was probably going to happen but this was more clever uh we'll have to wait a few weeks to see what it shakes out to be but it could be where you know last time anybody saw nikki was on the boat the boat 
was burned beyond recognition. There were some bodies, but they can't really identify anything. So Nikki must have been one of the bodies because he's not around here. So so then in that case, would that mean that Nikki, if he had died in that those circumstances, would that not be a soldier dying in the war for the database conversation? Uh, I mean, because I guess it's not. I mean, but he was there in service, obviously. But I don't know. I'm trying to just consider that database conversation. Well, maybe he just wound up on the MIA list, gone. I mean, if you're going to fake it, you would like, you know, leave your dog tags at the scene. You know what I mean? But you, but you couldn't in a boat situation, could you? I mean, or could you? Could you? Like, just huck them on deck and then like... I mean, is well, anyone, is any dive team going to find dog tags in the bottom of this lagoon area is, I guess, my question? Well, and then for that plan to work, you'd also have to have Nikki be willing to blow up somebody else just so that he could run away. I do not give Nikki any sort of pass that he couldn't, wouldn't, whatever. He was a very desperate man at this point in time. Very unbelievably desperate. True. And as jerky as he had been to Jack... I think those la- the last two weeks being with Jack and then the idea of having to be extracted again away from him was like too much to bear. I was scared that the explosion was, of course, going to be Nikki blew his head off. You know? Oh, well, that, I mean, th- but the explosion like rattled the the ground. I know, but but just in, in the big scheme of things, right? Okay. I mean, couldn't it have been? Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been... he blew himself up somewhere, on, on, very much on purpose. Like, it was very obvious, like, he committed suicide. Walked into a minefield, sure. It's on purpose, though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Then now we have this balls flash forward where we see a guy all in shadowy, right? Yeah. Uh, looking like a, maybe a, in, like, a double-wide trailer or something. Mm-hmm. But they do the big, fat, freaking mid-season reveal, and we zoom in on Nicholas Pearson on the mail, which is like, what? And guess where he's at, Paul? Pencil freaking Vania. Their backyard. What? Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I wanted him to be alive because I think there's just so much interesting opportunities that can come from Nikki being alive. I just don't even know. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to to process because they'd all want to know him because he's like a living piece of their dad. 150%. I think that there's so much, there's so much that can be dug up on Nikki. Now I'm curious on how Nikki's going to work out because like, you know how we have Miguel and suddenly Amber and Andy are like in our lives. Yeah, sure. They're very important. Nikki, I, I'm wondering how he's going to be handled. Do you think he will come in and be an active Pearson? Or is he just going to be this one-off of like, we're going to find out a story with him. And he's just going to kind of be this back character that's just sort of fills out a little bit more of the Pearson lore. But he's never going to be sitting at the Thanksgiving table. They got an actor named Griffin Dunn to play Nikki. Mm-hmm. Griffin Dunn is was pretty famous. Absolutely. You don't go get a name actor for a cameo. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so I think he's gonna have a complete arc to the end of the run of the of the show. I like that very much. And I was very ready for us to have something new to look forward to. So I'm glad that while the necklace storyline seems to have kind of like fizzled in a in some way here like i assume that we're are we still on the hunt for this girl 
I don't know. But even if that fizzled out in some way, I feel like maybe Nikki was really maybe the end game for the Vietnam side of the story here. Meaning like the fact that he was alive more than like Kevin going over for the necklace. La, 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 la. Kevin's going to come back looking for Nikki, right? The necklace story isn't done. It's just on pause, right? So interesting though. Or, or was the necklace just a stepping stone to get to Nikki? that Nikki's alive, like looking for the, like, like what Zoe basically said, like, stop acting like you're going to go find the woman. And then that's going to be the end of the story. Like, this is all the journey, like in this documentary kind of style, you know? Yeah. So then in that case, the necklace, we may not get more. We, we, as the viewers know the story of the necklace, he helped the son, the mom gave the necklace an appreciation. There's, there's nothing more there. You know, we know the story, but if going for the necklace had the conversation with the host that Nikki wasn't in the database. And that's what leads Kevin to actually go and search for him. Well, wow. You know, I like how they use the necklace as like a stepping stone. I kind of hope that that's all it was and we can move on, you know, because I I feel like, okay, we kind of get what that relationship was, you know, and I guess Nikki can say it again, you know, if need be say, oh, well, this was an appreciation thing because this kid's foot got hurt. Yeah, that'll be an interesting retelling of that story. Oh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? He's like, your father was a fool. Right. (gasps) What if Nikki is like that? What if Nikki like talks all kinds of shit about Jack? (gasps) Ooh. Sacrilege, Paul. That might be what he does. I mean, he's what if he does? He turned into not a not a super great guy. At least, uh, I mean, the war messed him up. So it it it, and he lives like a hermit now. So so far as we can tell, we'll see. He has the drapes drawn, Paul, closed up tight. Doesn't like people. Is what no, that, what that tells me. No, he doesn't like people, Paul. He's got trust issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he doesn't even check his mail. I mean. If you think about it, he was raised by this jackass that beat him and and then he goes to war and then gets kind of screwed up in war. So he, poor Nikki didn't really even have a fighting chance. Here. He didn't even have a life. I mean, so far as we knew. But turns out he has had a whole life. We just don't know what's up, dude. Yeah. Well, are you looking forward to finding out more about Nicholas Pearson? Definitely. I mean, this season so far has not really i mean it's easily my third favorite season of the three right um i found the other two more compelling but that being said this is a pretty good mid-season finale giving us a look at some very compelling things like the the beth and the well let me get let me do a little speed round for you with predict with predictions okay ready okay kate and toby healthy baby yes or no Yes. Randall and Beth, does Randall continue the political march here? Yes. Does he win? No. Does this break Beth and Randall? Maybe they take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with break. Okay. Uh, Are Kevin and Zoe uh, alter bound? No. Are we done in Vietnam? Yes. Is the fact that Rebecca revealed to Tess that Kate called and said the secret going to bite Rebecca in the ass. No. Are you looking forward to the holidays? Yes. We hope all you guys are too. Hope you guys can continue to listen to us as we cover Mrs. Maisel December 5th. Thanks for listening. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.